You are listening to Jai Long, and this is Make Your Break, episode 154. Today, I am speaking with Hank from Henry Paul Photography. I met Hank quite a few years ago when he did one of my workshops. He is an amazing photographer based in Sydney, Australia. And today we're talking about how to be inclusive with the LGBTQ plus community. Very important conversations to have, very tough conversations to have. We tend to not want to make any mistakes and we can be hard on ourselves and we can try to avoid council culture and all these things. But sometimes by not doing anything, is the worst thing that you can be doing because we're not progressing and we're not moving forward. So this is the lead up to the Mardi Gras month, which is coming up as well. And uh, I think it's a very fitting time to be talking about this kind of stuff and making sure, like I see so many things in different Facebook groups and for myself, especially like I'm a leader of a community, I've got to make sure I keep leveling up having these conversations, making sure I'm having the hard conversations and doing the things that helps me grow so I can help my community grow and so I can make everyone feel safe around me and make sure everybody feels safe with my business as well. So I'm super excited about today. If you stay to the end, Hank has a course coming out as well and he just plugs that at the very, very end. Lots of good stuff to dive into. I think you're going to find today very fascinating. And if not anything else, it's going to help you change your mindset a little bit, shift your mindset, and hopefully get you thinking a little bit differently about your business and how you can be showing up for your community. So let's, uh, yeah, let's dive in. Hey Hank, welcome to the show. Really excited that you're here. Really excited about today's episode. It's been overdue on this podcast for a long time. And yeah, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell us what today has got in store for us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jai. It's great to be on the show. My name is Hank. I'm a full-time wedding photographer based in Sydney, Australia. And I've been doing this almost 10 years now. I identify as queer and have kind of been on this wild journey over the course of my business where I think I started out really wanting to hide who I was a little bit and wasn't really sure how to fully bring my queerness into the business that I built. And so, yeah, over the course of several years, I think I was just exploring what it meant to be queer for myself and then what that also meant for my business and how I could make my brand one that was much more authentic and uh, looked a whole lot more like me. And so I think, you know, for me, what I'm really excited and passionate about is talking about inclusion in the wedding industry. We kind of work in a space that is super gendered and, you know, kind of stems from pretty patriarchal tradition. And I don't know if a lot of people have actually stopped to ask some of those questions that are about like, well, why do we think this way? And why do we do these things after thousands of years? But we will today. We will today. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited, man. I've got a lot of things to talk to you about. And I think today is really important to, for us to get uncomfortable, ask those uncomfortable questions because it's, a well-needed conversation and I know so much growth is going to come out of it because you've you always got to have the benefit of the doubt that you know everyone's a kind person, everyone's got the best at heart and then a lot of times we're naive, uneducated or just don't 
I haven't listened to different viewpoints and so many different things. And so today is all about that. So welcome to the show. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, 100%. I think people are afraid of making mistakes. And the mm. the sooner that we can just accept, all right, we, we might say the wrong thing from time to time. And now it's about how can we equip ourselves with the right language when we do stuff it up and how do we learn so that in the future we know the right things to say. I think that then helps give people the confidence to actually step out into this space of allyship for the LGBTQ plus community. Yes, absolutely. That's actually a great thing to start on as well. You've been in the game for 10 years. And so you're here in Australia. And one thing around, or you'd know exactly, but probably around about what, five years ago, same-sex weddings became legalized and it was a big deal. Mm. And that would have absolutely transformed your business, the way that you look at everything as well. And it's transformed everyone's business, but probably not as fast as what you probably would hope it will Mm. or it did, Mm. which is real interesting. But just tell me, like in that time and around when that happened for you and your business, was that a game changer? Yes, on many levels. It was a game changer, both business-wise, but also personally. I think prior to that, I had never been to a queer wedding and I had, honestly, I'd never even, I guess, entertained the idea that I myself might want to have a wedding one day. It was just not something that I saw. It wasn't, you know, five years ago, if you think how much has changed even in five years, there wasn't a whole lot of queer content in the media. You, you weren't watching mm. a lot of TV shows on Netflix with queer characters five years ago compared to what we see today. And that sort of like visibility that the, you know, within an Australian context, at least that marriage vote was, was a huge game changer for me. And it gave me a, a new sense of pride in who I am and what my community is about that I was then kind of given permission to let that integrate with the business that I was building. Totally. So like, and, and men, like this must've been so hard, like starting a wedding photography business 10 years ago, it's like males, females get married. And then if you had a different point of view, not only was it just considered the wrong point of view, it was illegal. And like, how crazy is that? Mm. And so for mm. you to be in an industry where you're surrounded by love and acceptance and all this kind of stuff, but then there's this big thing like sort of lingering over the top of you. So how did that feel? Yeah. Oh gosh. It Like it held me back. It held me back in my business. And I think that because I wasn't able to bring my full self into the work that I was creating and the meetings that I was having with clients, that was a barrier for me in actually fulfilling my true kind of business potential, you know, and what I've felt since then. And it's been a journey. It wasn't like it happened overnight once that result was announced. Oh, of course. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, it's still a journey, but still a I journey. feel so much more confident that what I'm bringing to my business is a real alignment of my personal values. And now when clients come and meet with me, one of the biggest pieces of feedback I get is we love what you stand for. We love your values. Like I make it really clear what I stand for on my website. And I think that's one of the main draw cards that people, when they meet with me, they, they mention as being a factor. Yeah. 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 I absolutely love that. So we were talking a little bit about this before, but people don't want to make mistakes. So let's actually talk about that. The first thing, because I think this is one of the most important things. And sometimes like us trying to tread to not make mistakes is a mistake because we end up not trading anywhere. Right. So yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So let's talk about 
like we're so scared of council culture and we're so scared of saying the wrong thing and being in the wrong place and doing the wrong thing that we end up taking no action and doing nothing. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think that, again, to reiterate, the place to start with that is to just acknowledge your humanness in all of this and to identify, I, I am going to stuff it up. That There's just no question about, I'm, I stuff, I'm queer and I still say the wrong things. I still <laughs> use the wrong pronouns. Like this is still something that I'm practicing regularly when I'm working with my clients and when I'm you know, out in the community. So it's not a matter of like, once you are a quote unquote ally, you're going to be perfect and you must, you must get it right all the time. I think that that's an unrealistic expectation, but true allyship is about intent. And so it's, it's what's, what, what's our heart in this and, and the willingness to learn from and be challenged. And so then I would say that there's this really beautiful framework that allies, and I mean, I use it as well, is this framework to help give us the words and the things to say when we make a mistake, because if we don't say anything, of course, we won't make a mistake, but then you're also not moving the needle forward in the direction that you want to go in regards to inclusion. So the framework for when you make a mistake is, oops, ouch, I'm sorry. And those three statements really just sum up how you can come to you know, what could potentially be something confronting or challenging for you and give you the language that you need to grow from that. So an example might be that you've got a non-binary client who you're photographing a wedding for and you slip into using a gendered pronoun. Maybe you you refer to them as she and they're right next to you when you say it. And so in that moment, if you click, oh, I've just said the wrong thing. Gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Then the embarrassment is like a self-centered reaction rather mm, than a, an, what, an acknowledgement, an acknowledgement of, of the other person in that moment. And so the language of, oops, ouch, I'm sorry, it's, you know, whether it's internal or externally voiced, it's, oops, I made a mistake. Like recognize that you said the wrong pronoun. Ouch is to then recognize that possibly hurt that person or made them feel unsafe around me or made them feel like I was, you know, not the right person to be photographing them in this moment. And then I'm sorry, that is 100% the, the thing that needs to be verbalized is saying to that person, hey, I'm sorry, I just used the wrong pronouns. I've got to catch myself next time. Love that. Do you think everyone deserves to feel safe? A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's like, might sound like such a simple question, but like I honestly believe like some of the things and the way people act and react and the actions that they take, you would think that they don't believe that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that once we can kind of, understand, or, you know, it's empathy. It's, it's the empathy behind, well, I want to feel safe and I know what it feels like to be safe. So let me then extend that also that, you know, that same level of safety and welcome and inclusion to everybody who I interact with. Yeah. You know, one thing is that we're talking about someone that identifies themselves as like non-binary. There's so many people that are listening to this podcast right now. And they're like, man, I, like, I, I don't know anyone like that. I don't like, that's just not in my world and, and it's not whatever. So I don't really need to take note or I don't really need to integrate into, you know, this mm, new world mm. and all this stuff. And what people don't realize is like, you probably do know someone, you haven't acknowledged it and it is in our world. Yeah. So it's something that I think a lot of people don't give enough thought to is the fact that queerness in and of itself is pretty invisible. So you don't see if someone is 
queer in, you know, a lot of people will express themselves pretty queer and, and they will, you know, they will experiment with their gender expression. They'll wear clothes that kind of, you know, you would seem uh, kind of outside the norm of, of what you normally see. But generally speaking, you don't know if someone you're interacting with is bi. You don't know if someone you're interacting with is unless they disclose it to you. And so the thing about using inclusive language across the board is you don't run the risk of accidentally offending someone along the way or or making a fool of yourself because you just didn't know. It's actually kind of operating under the assumption that you will interact with people who are queer and getting your language right before those interactions even happen. And there's so many ways that like, um, so like I've been learning so many lessons along the way and always, it's just like, you don't realize like what's happening here or that you need to be more inclusive on the way that we even like talk like that. So yeah, I find that like really interesting. And I think that's like a massive thing that we need to all start actually proactively seeking out and, and learning about. And don't underestimate the power of practicing it as well. So if you meet somebody and they have said to you, oh, my pronouns are they, them, then the best time for you to get good at using the right pronouns is when they're not around. And just go out of your way to start talking about that person to a partner or to a friend and say, I'm actively going to work on using the correct pronouns here. Or, you know, you could you could say, I want to eliminate the term guys from my vocabulary. So I'm going to practice other alternative you know, words that I could use here. Hey folks, Hey everybody, Hey friends, those sorts of gender neutral terms and practice that so that it can become second nature to you. Hey, so we talked about before and in the wedding industry, especially we talked about three big assumptions that people make in the wedding industry. And I'd actually like to unravel this. And for a few different reasons, like one is like, I run a big community of photographers And also I'm inside big Facebook groups and I see a lot of things that people write or the things that they, they'll write with the big assumptions and they won't change their mindset or they're very much stuck in a fixed mindset. And um, so I like to talk about those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll talk about the three assumptions and also how to fix them because, you know, it's, it's one thing to identify what, what are people getting wrong, but then let's also give people a framework and language to then start to get better at it. So we've already touched on pronouns. I would say that is the number one thing that when people are interacting, you know, specifically with people in the queer community, that they're just assuming people's pronouns without asking them. And one of my favorite things when I go to parties these days is that first interaction with a, with a stranger and they'll share their name and then they'll ask your pronouns. You know, they'll say, Hey, I'm Hank. My pronouns are he, him. What are your pronouns? And asking people what their pronouns are then invites the conversation to go whatever way they choose it to. And if they're just like, oh, my pronouns are also he, him, easy. And if they've got pronouns that you weren't expecting, then at least they've felt you're a safe person because you've invited rather than just later on in the conversation, you start assuming what their pronouns are. So it's it's opening with the question once you meet somebody. And in the context of the you know wedding photography, we can do that in several ways. We can do that on that client call. We can do it in a, a contact form before we've even met them. There's so many different opportunities for us to ask people what their pronouns are before we go and assume. And this is maybe tangential, but also understanding that the you know the gendered language around pronouns is also pretty much the wedding equivalent to bride and groom. 
So it's making an assumption that someone is a bride or a groom. And we talked about, you know, there are non-binary folks who, who won't actually want to identify as either of those, but they might have another label that they feel really comfortable with. And, and if you don't ask them what that is, you're probably going to revert to one of the two that you're most familiar with. Yeah. So that's a huge one. So with that, would you also include that like in the language that you use in your price guides or on your website or throughout like all your digital marketing or all your marketing as well? Yeah. hundred percent. I think that at the very least you should be upfront with your personal pronouns. So, you know, Instagram has the great feature where you can put your pronouns in your bio. And if you have a little about page biography on your website, chuck your pronouns in there because you as a as an ally actually carry so much influence when you choose to use your pronouns pronouns like the use of introducing yourself with pronouns is not exclusive to the queer community but what it does is it signals to the queer community that you are an ally it's awesome okay so number 2 what's the second one okay uh the second assumption that i think people are making well i know people are making about <laughs> queer weddings is that somebody is walking down the aisle and the, the question is always, oh, which one is walking down the aisle or who's walking down the aisle? When the reality is that I've shot queer weddings where no one walks down the aisle, I've shot queer weddings where two people walk down the aisle, and I've shot queer weddings where just one person, but you don't know which one, right? And so rather than just assuming, okay, so who's walking down the aisle? It's again, asking a more open question of, is anybody walking down the aisle at your wedding? Or you know, framing it in a way that lets them determine, you know, where the conversation goes again. So yeah, it's, it's not locking them into like a yes or no, but it's a, it's an open-ended question. Would you say like, it's not just walking down the aisle, but like many other traditions as well throughout like <laughs> oh, yeah. actual wedding day? <laughs> oh yeah. hundred percent. I think like walking down the aisle is just symbolic of all those other assumptions that we make. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a strategic assumption there because a hundred percent, you're right. It's, who's carrying a bouquet or who's getting their makeup done mm. today or who's wearing a dress. I mean, that's the third one we'll talk about in a moment, but it, you know what people wear. So there are so many things that we just categorize by gender on the wedding day. Where are the boys getting ready and where are the girls getting ready? Mm. What shoes are the girls wearing? Let's, you know, like those sorts of things that we just need to start deconstructing and asking deeper questions rather than bringing out you know, societal assumptions, things that we, we've been raised to think this way. This is not our fault that we look at the world as such a binary place. Like this is not something where I, I don't want anyone listening, feeling like they're an awful human because they do these things. Like it's, it's actually just a product of this patriarchal society that, you know, the Western culture is built on, but let's actually start asking those deeper questions because what we're going to be able to do in that is bring people who are on the margins into the center with us and along for the journey. Love that. You know, I love that you keep sort of really pushing at home because it's like you got to give so much love and grace to everyone because the worst thing to do, and I know this like as a vegan, is like start pushing people away yeah, yeah. by making everybody wrong, you know, and um, it really just never works. Like you never see any change that way. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> All right, let's get into the third yeah, one. The final one. So that I alluded to before is, is the assumption that a bride always wears a dress and a groom always wears a suit. And again, 
the language that we can use is rather than, you know, if you're, if you're gathering the details on what's the designer of the gown, you know, you want to, how you're asking those questions of your clients, rather than it just being, what is the bridal gown designer? Ask a more open-ended question of what is the bride wearing? But, you know, you want to, you want to establish who your two people are, who the stars of the day are. And if that's a bride and a groom, then that's a bride and a groom. And that's great. But then it's, yeah, it's asking like, who are you wearing? And what are you wearing? And what is your fiance wearing? And what, what is your partner wearing? So those kinds of open-ended questions, again, it's not locking them in to say, well, I'm not actually wearing a dress and I'm wearing a custom designed suit by this incredible designer, you know, like that, that sort of stuff. So it's just driving home these this open-ended questions rather than assumptive questions. When we talk about that kind of stuff as well, can we talk a little bit about like when people just assume straight away, it's like, Hey, so the bridesmaids and what are they wearing and the groomsmen and what are they wearing? Because like, if anyone shot a wedding in the last little while, it's never the case. No, that's right. That's right. You've got, we're breaking the rules. And, and by we, I mean, society, we're breaking the rules of what has to happen at a wedding. And I hate the stories that you hear of the, the best friend who wasn't able to be in the wedding party that day because they're a man and, and it's the bridesmaids, you know, and it's just like, come on, if, if they're your friend and you want them next to you when you get married, then have them. So a hundred percent, like we're kind of losing touch with those old ideas of let's segregate the wedding party into just the women and just the men. So you're a hundred percent on the money. It's still asking those questions. If, if you want to know the information about what the wedding party is wearing, then language like, the wedding party. You could say like, if you know that their name is Brooke, then you say, Hey, Brooke, what are your people wearing? What's your side of the wedding party wearing? And using names is always really good as well. So you could ask for the individual names of each person in the wedding party, you know, depending on what amount of information you're trying to gather. Mm. When we uh, put together, let's say questionnaires, things on our website, and we continually always say bride and nothing else. Where do you think we're going wrong with that? I think what we're doing is we're actually closing ourselves off to potential work. So it's like a, there's a business ramification, but then I think like the bigger thing that I feel passionate about is that you're, you're not establishing yourself as a safe person. And if someone doesn't identify as either a bride or a groom, and the only language across your entire website is talking about brides and grooms, then a non-binary person is probably not going to hire you. And you could be exactly what they're looking for, except for the fact that you haven't used language that's going to speak to them. And I always say like, yes, sure. 99% of the people that you probably booking at the moment identify as cisgender and heterosexual. And so why would you bother changing everything for the 1%? But it's a difference between like speaking to 99% and a hundred percent. It's everyone. Inclusive language is about bringing everyone in. And why mm. would you not want to do that? Especially if that aligns with your personal values. Yeah. You know, like this is on such a different scale, but like when I was organizing my wedding, literally everyone would say bride for everything. All the questionnaires said bride for everything, everything, but I planned the whole wedding. Mm. And so for me, it was like very much like, am I not supposed to be doing this? Like what? And also why, why would they always email me and ask for the bride or like, it's always about yep. that. And all the canned responses were about the bride or like everything was. And I was like, man, I feel like I can organize a wedding. Like I don't, I don't understand where the problem is. 
So yeah, even yeah. that is just extremely exclusive. <laughs> and that's so problematic on multiple fronts because then that's also us perpetuating the idea of putting the mental load of planning a wedding onto women. And I actually think that men get out of a great deal of responsibility when it comes to wedding planning. And so many weddings, you, you look around and you're like, well, this is the bride's wedding. Every, every decision was made by her and she's loving it, but the groom is kind of not invested. And that's, I find mm. that that's a loss. That's really disappointing. So I always, when I speak with my clients, I'm like, plan it together, make decisions about your wedding. That's going to resonate with both of you and split up the responsibility. So it's, it's actually not just this huge job for one person to do. Here's another thing too. This just goes out to everyone that's a creative entrepreneur, service industry, like wherever it is. It's insanely important to talk to everyone because the amount of times that like, if I go into, if I'm planning a wedding, I go in, they only talk to my wife because they're like, oh, talking to the bride and then I'm left out. Or if I go to buy a car or something and they only talk to me, they won't talk to her because the amount of times that like we walk away from an interaction and we're like, that was so rude. And like, why do you assume that, we are both not making decisions or why would you only talk to the person that, you know, that you see as the money maker or the decision maker or like all these assumptions come up and that happens today. That happens all the time. Mm, mm, yeah. hundred percent. So many businesses. Hey, so let's talk about some like things that we can do right now, like in our service-based businesses, in our businesses that we, we do in our digital marketing and everything. Cause we always do marketing and we're trying to attract a new audience. We're trying to grow our businesses that we're proud of. And let's be honest, like we're trying to build something that we're proud of. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. We don't want to uh, be exclusive or excluding anybody. Like we don't want that for our businesses. That's just not who we are. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if that's what you wanted, right? Because we're all obsessed with self-learning, leveling up, having new conversations, getting into a new room. And that's what we're doing. So what would be some of your tips going into like marketing and correct me if I'm wrong, like what most people say is like, how do I shoot a same-sex wedding? Like, what do I have to do to shoot a same-sex wedding? And they would sort of put that out there, but then nothing else is actually inclusive. So it's like you said on one of your Instagram posts, it's like, it's all well and good to say that we're an ally, but are we actually an ally? And yeah. how do yeah, we become we being an ally? allies? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to kind of take two, there's two questions in that, that I want to answer. So let's start Perfect. with the marketing and then we can talk about more like inclusivity through our work. So from a marketing angle, I think it's really important to discuss the distinction between niche marketing and exclusive marketing. And you're, knowing your niche is so important and you need to know exactly who you're speaking to, what's the language that they use so that you can repeat it back to them and be more attractive to the people you're trying to book. So your niche is what I'm not about is you trying to completely blow your niche out of the water and say, well, I'm going to build a business for everyone. Because if you're trying to serve and please everyone, then everyone's going to actually no be disappointed. Cares. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so, so this is not me saying like, don't worry about your niche. hundred percent. In fact, double down on your niche if you're not already doing that. But then the difference between niche and exclusivity is one is I'm looking in at a certain person or group of people. And one is I'm casting out. So when you are looking at being a more inclusive, you know, service provider or business, then you want to analyze all of the brand touch points that you have, your social media, the language you use when you post on Instagram, your website, your questionnaires, anything that is going to have 
an external interaction from a client. You want to analyze all the language you're using to make sure that it aligns with your values rather than a type of person. Ugh, I don't know if I worded that well. Let me, let me clarify that. Building a niche around values rather than building a niche around a demographic. So your demographic would be, oh, 18 to 36-year-old women are my demographic niche. But my values niche would actually be, I want to target people who eat plant-based diets. I want to target people who care about social justice. And I want to target people who really care about koala bears. I don't know. Like, <laughs> so, so, so you're like, okay, well, the, here are some values that I stand for or that I'm going to make my business stand for. Now, how do I talk to everyone who also shares those values so that I can still include everyone there? And th I don't know. Does that make sense, Jai? I hope that's yeah, like it clear does. enough yeah. about the distinction. So, so when you're talking about the marketing piece, you still want to speak to the people you want to speak to, but you don't want to leave anybody out. You don't want to leave out people who might still align with your brand, but the only thing is that you're using exclusive language like just bride and groom, or you're just assuming people's genders and, and pronouns without ever asking them to share it. Oh, I've forgotten your second, the second part of your question. Oh, it's about the portfolio piece and how do you stop saying you're an ally and start being an ally? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that for me is you could sum up the first piece of that saying you're an ally as tokenism. I've got that one wedding in my portfolio that's got a queer couple and therefore I'm fine. I don't need to, I don't need to do any more work here. Or I put that one photo up on Instagram and I'll schedule another one in six months time, just in case anyone who's queer comes along my portfolio. That for me is tokenism. That's you like saying you're an ally, but the deep heart of it, what's your intent there? Well, your intent's probably not because you want to advocate for a marginalized group of people who haven't been given the same you know, rights for the last hundred years. So being an ally is, is about proactively building an environment. An environment can be your business, building an environment where people feel safe to be their authentic selves. And I love Jai on your website, you have a statement on your website that your business, your brand is safe for everybody. And it's, you know, I think you call it out, like regardless of sexual orientation, race, religion, gender, like actually calling out those, those sorts of things and making a statement of inclusivity is a great way to then not only like externally put it out in the world, but then hold yourself accountable to that in every decision mm. that you make in your business. So then you can totally. run yourself through that. Oh, is this post actually in line with the thing that I'm saying publicly? Yes, I love that. It's it's so true. And it's like a little mission statement for yourself. It's like you put it out there. Now, how do you act and how do you how is the action that you take around all those things and how are you actually making people feel? And how what one thing you just said, which I absolutely love, I've never heard anyone say it's like your business is an environment. Like that's mm. incredible. Mm. And that actually shifts my mindset around thinking of like what a business is, a big machine, makes money, does all the things. So like an environment, it's like people interact with it. They're inside. Do they feel safe? Are they growing? Are they, are, you know, are they being listened to? Like mm -hmm. an environment is such a, for me, it's like, it could be such a nurturing place or it could be a toxic place, but we get to choose totally. that. And I mean, for you, Jai, like you're a huge focus of what you're building is community. You've totally. got Facebook groups. You've got people who are interacting with each other through the environment that you're creating. So mm. you kind of have a responsibility there to make sure that that environment is safe for everyone. 
Absolutely, man. And I've got to be honest, there is so much to navigate because my community is also worldwide based, yeah. which means yep. like not everything's legalized everywhere. Not everything has the same religion where it's the same belief system. And there's so much conflict where like things will pop up and we have to address it and we have to address it in an appropriate way where someone feels uncomfortable for this reason. Mm. And then someone on the exact opposite spectrum feel uncomfortable for this reason. And then you need to mediate of like, okay, so you're both here for the same reason, but you both feel uncomfortable because of whatever's happening, which is really interesting. Yeah. That's like the dynamics at play. there are really complicated. I would say like, I'm sure I'm sure that you you know you're navigating this as best you can but it's again that kind of acknowledging the humanness of of wanting to be inclusive and create safe environments and go I'm not going to be perfect also no one else in my spaces are going to be perfect either mm. so then it's how do I how do I react and respond to those things and it's putting your value of of safety and inclusion at the forefront of that and say okay there's a disagreement here or there's kind of cultural clashes the primary thing that we want out of this is for people to feel safe. So how do we then make decisions beyond that to mediate? Obviously, the mediation must be like, that's an, an, a really important piece in that. But oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> you look exhausted at the thought of it. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, and look, this is a really good example because if right now, you feel the same way as me. It's like, oh man, this is not an easy thing. And I don't know. And I'm and I'm learning and all these things. It means, all it means is there's a knowledge gap and you need to learn something. So it's a really easy way to identify what you don't know, right? So too many of us, we think we know everything and you got to have the humility to understand, hey, if I'm frustrated with something, I don't understand something. Uh, I don't understand a culture. I don't understand, you know, whatever it is. It means I need to learn something. That means there's a knowledge gap for myself and for me to be a good leader, like you're saying, like I need to bridge that gap and also make sure that everyone can get those resources so they can bridge the gap as well. I think that's insanely important. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And just taking ego out of it. Even I would say at that point, you're also taking out like, oh, what's the thing that's going to make the most money? Like at some point, you've also got to stand for something and say, what's the right thing to do here? Yeah. And business in 2022 is all about doing the right thing. I think like it's, you kind of fall flat pretty quick if you are not doing the right thing. Yeah. For you and your business, are you excited of, you know, the future, having these uncomfortable conversations with people, getting into new rooms, educating, spreading so much knowledge around the place? Like, how do you feel about being in the position where you are, where you openly now can have these conversations and people, you know, they don't just listen, but they respond, they act, Mm. they start changing their businesses and you see that in the world. Yeah. uh, So there's a lot in that. I think from a, from an entrepreneur's, entrepreneur's perspective, like for me, I love the art of business. And so I'm incredibly excited by the fact that what I've been able to do over the last couple of years and and where my business is going is using my queer identity as my competitive advantage in a really competitive space. And that is just thrilling for me to go, right, well, here are some things that make me different. Here are some things that actually communicate what I stand for and, and who I am. How do I now leverage that to build a business that can have a really great impact? So very, very excited by that. I'm really, really excited to be dipping my toes into this space of of education and thought leadership. I think there's been a real lack in these conversations around inclusivity in both the wedding space, but I think broadly in the 
online business space. And so I'm really looking at the opportunities ahead of me to, yeah, really kind of come out and and speak about these things because everywhere I go, people want to learn it. This is a true business opportunity for me because it's actually improving other people's businesses. They're going to be able to build bigger businesses when they nail their inclusivity strategies. And as soon as you can build a business that then helps other people build their businesses, you're solid. Yeah. I mean, you give people what they want and then you never have to look for anything, you know? So that's like a major thing. I'm really excited about this, man. I I see like so many business opportunities for you. And one really cool thing is, and I talk about this all the time, so many of us, we get stuck on something that we feel like it's our disadvantage. And we all do this, right? I talk Mm. to people right now that they might have a disability. They might not be in the right area. They, They might feel like they're a part of a culture that's not the trending thing, like whatever it is. But the second that you realize that the thing that you think is a disadvantage because it's not like everybody else and you and you realize it's the advantage, mm-hmm. it changes mm-hmm. the game because all of a sudden everyone's the same. You don't want to be the same. Everyone is the same. That's right. But the second you lean into that where it's your superpowers, you're bringing something different, a different voice, you're bringing something that you know is of value of people to people, it changes the playing field for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it can, I mean, for me, it's been really scary. I've been really, really worried about, well, the more I put myself out there, is that going to deter people? But it does the complete opposite because people are drawn to the authenticity and people are drawn to the story. So yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough for anyone who's listening. Who's like, oh, I'm not sure that the (laughs) world can handle this side of me. I would say absolutely not. Not only can it handle it, but it probably needs it. And needs it. And like one thing that you said there before is like, if you try and please everyone, like no one's listening, you're not mm. worth listening to. There's no, you know, you're not standing for anything and someone that stands for nothing, it's mundane. Right. And so for yourself, man, like if, if you want to, you know, sell a course, do a workshop, if you want to book more clients, like book more clients, you only need 30 clients. It's not like you're trying to talk to the whole world anyway. Mm. And so mm. you just want to talk your truth. So you get those super fans that find you and go like, yeah, this is my tribe right here. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Hey, sort of just to finish off, can you share a story? I want to hear a story from you of like maybe the most uncomfortable that you've ever felt at a wedding or a situation that's kind of been like, oh man, this is not right. I'd love to hear. And because everyone's got wow. one, I've got one. I've got one. I've got a massive one as well that I can share afterwards, but I want to hear one from you. Oh gosh, I feel <laughs> like I just... I experience a lot of homophobia at weddings. So can I tell you about a time a, a, a guy in a wedding party was flirting with me? Yeah, that's the story <laughs> I want. <laughs> <laughs> so I was shooting this wedding. It was a few years ago and all day I'd been kind of, this guy, he was giving me a bit of a queer vibe. I was like, oh gosh, I think he's like interested, but I'm working and, you know, I've got things to worry about today. <laughs> but obviously as the night wore on and he got a little bit more intoxicated, he got braver in, you know, making passes at me. And so then at one point it was during the middle of speeches and I was kind of just crouching by, you know, at the front of the room, getting photos and whatever. And he came over and like crouched next to me and whispered in my ear. And it was like something a little bit raunchy. And I was like, I need to go home. This is too much. I can't handle this. Wow. That's amazing. 
Now, I've got to say, um, I don't know what it is, but my wife always has a bit of a laugh, but I get hit on definitely by more guys than I ever do women. Oh, crazy. I, my whole life. I mean, it's good ha- for my like ego. That. I don't know about you. But I'm like, all right, I'm glad you find me attractive. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, I reckon this is the most unhappiest day I've ever had as a wedding photographer, the most awkward I ever felt, and the biggest time that I wanted to get up and like just leave this industry. So, it was around about just after same-sex wedding became legalized in Australia. And so I shoot a lot of weddings, a lot of high-end weddings and shooting this couple in this like really expensive church. And they're like, oh, this is the family church. It's going to be amazing and everything. I'm like, yeah, sweet. And they're like, we're going to do this full, long, you know, just like ceremony and everything. And they sort of prepped me for it. And I was like, okay, no worries. Anyway, we get in there and everyone's sort of sitting down and everything. And then the priest came out and then the priest is like, look, I don't want to say what's just happened is wrong or anything. And I don't want to push my views. So I'm just going to say like a couple of words, but I won't say much. Literally about 45 minutes later of this dude lecturing everyone of how the wrong thing just happened oh, and we're all gosh, going to hell yeah. and all this stuff. And I'm looking around and I'm, I'm literally sh- like, I've never been more shocked. I'm looking around everyone's faces. I'm the photographer. I'm looking at faces. I'm like, is anyone not going to stand up and leave? Like, this has gone too far. Like, what is happening here? I don't mm-hmm. understand. And I remember, like, after leaving that day, I was like, I am done with weddings. I Like, I did shoot weddings afterwards, but <laughs> I could not no, believe. I, was, I, know the I feeling. felt like I was part. I just felt like I was like, I was like, man, I'm, I'm sort of part of something that I feel like it's, I've outgrown it and the industry hasn't grown with me. And I, and I just mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. I'm not proud. That's what it felt like. Yeah, 100%. I've been to my fair share of religious weddings where, you know, there's kind of this second agenda with we're here to reinforce our ideas of what their view of marriage is. Actually, maybe let's end on a bit more of a positive note, though. (laughs) One of the biggest privileges of my life was I got to photograph this couple, this beautiful queer couple, who one of them was fired from their job at a Christian college because they were gay. And so they had spent a few years together and you know got engaged and started planning their wedding but it was so important to them because they both still kind of had this faith and they really wanted to be married in a church but it was really hard to find a church that was going to condone their relationship and this marriage and so for me one of the most beautiful weddings that I've ever photographed was this beautiful queer couple getting married in the uniting church on Oxford Street here in Sydney and they were just surrounded by a hundred of, you know, their closest family and friends. And it was full of joy, full of love, but so it was beautiful. also within that, you know, environment of faith that was really mm. important to them. So yeah, that was an emotional one, that one. Oh, and that's so beautiful when it all comes together. And I've got to say, and it's like a disclaimer for everyone out there. It's like definitely not taking shots at any faith. Um, definitely, you know, not <laughs> excluding any religion and I'm open to everything. And that's not the playing factor that we're talking about. We're just talking about that. Yes, we can be stuck in old ways. And yes, sometimes things are not growing as fast as what other things are growing and we're all learning, which is yeah. really important. And that's yeah. why you're listening right now. That's why you're still here. Yeah. Hey, can <laughs> I um, give a little plug at the moment? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm going to be on the 1st of March. I'm not sure when this is getting published, Jai, but on the 1st of March, I'm launching my queer wedding ally training. So this will be 
a, you know, four modules, really, really quick, about 90 minutes of video content for people who want to learn how to authentically inclusify their wedding businesses. And it's going to be $27, super affordable. It's super practical. I've, I've jam-packed it with just things that people can implement straight away. So I would really love if, if you want to learn more about how you can be a, an ally to queer people in your wedding business, then I'm doing this over at queerweddingallies.com. Awesome. And we can find you on Instagram as well. Yeah, you can find me. I'm at Henry Paul Photography. Yes, I'm Hank and I'm Henry. <laughs> so a little bit confusing, <laughs> but you'll figure it out real quick. And one last thing is um, you did my workshop back in New Zealand. And so funny thing about that workshop, man. So I remember I did a workshop in Auckland and mostly Australians came over to it. And then all my Kiwi friends were annoyed because they're like, man, that is full of <laughs> Australians. Right. And what happened was, and I don't know if you remember this and I'm, and I'm sure you do, but I got insanely sick. Oh yeah. Yeah. One crazy thing about that is to this day, I haven't been as sick as I was at that workshop. And I remember I was like, I was so sick. I don't know why, but I was so sick. And then I remember I was like, I had a fever, I had the sweats. And I remember I was teaching, I was getting delirious. I was like, man, what is happening here? So I didn't have the same energy as I usually have. And like, I felt so bad about it. And I was like, I was just so ruined. I couldn't go really have drinks afterwards or anything. But I remember something that you said. And because we were inside a lounge room and it was so uncomfortable. It was, it just was like, so uncomfortable. I was so just squished, about to say right? that. <laughs> so squished. And I, the only thing I remember from that pole workshop was me getting sick. And then you coming to me saying, Jai, the chair was uncomfortable, but everything else was good. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> I don't remember that. Wow. But yeah, that was like, that's the standout thing. I remember it. That's, that's all I remember from that workshop. <laughs> I've always been the type of person who's like, look, I'll give the words of affirmation, but I'll also give you some constructive feedback. <laughs> You're like an onion. Just sort of peel off a little bit of good stuff, then give them the bad stuff. That no, that's good, man. It was so good. And so good to have you on the podcast and make sure that everybody heads over and checks out checks out the course and says hello on Instagram. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's uh, just a delight to chat with you. So thank you so much for facilitating this. 